Bible to 1 John chapter 3. I want to say we're so thankful to have faith with us this morning. Amen. She's no stranger. She's family here, and we're thankful. Kaylee's traveling this week, and we're thankful that she's here. Did they do a tremendous job this morning? Thank you. We're praying for our pastor and his family. They're on, they're, they're, they've gotten away for a few days. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. Could you just pray that they would get rest this week and they would come back and they would come back strengthened? Could we just pray for their strength? Could we pray for their encouragement? Would you just pray this week when you think about them, Lord, just send encouragement this week, send strength this week. Could you do that? Could you do that this morning and this week? And uh, we're excited to be back. And my name is David Grigsby, for those of you that don't know me. And I'm thankful to be a part of TPC. And since pastor's not here, you're stuck with me this morning. I'm sorry. But we're going to believe God to do great things. Amen. First John chapter 3 and verse 1. Before I go any further, and I'm, I'm going to mess all this up. And I'm not going to say all the names, so please bear with me. But I do want to thank God, Carlton, wave your hand. Five years clean this last week. Amen. Got his five-year chip Friday night. Celebrate Recovery is doing a great job. If you don't know about Celebrate Recovery, it's doing a great job. God's doing great things at Celebrate Recovery. And you know what the cool thing about Celebrate Recovery is? All of you are invited at any time on Friday night. Amen. First John chapter three, see what great love. Everybody say great love. The father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason that the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him. I'm thankful for that promise. For we shall see him as he is. Isaiah 54, 10, you don't have to turn there, but I'll read it for you. Though the mountains be shaken... And the hills be removed. Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. Nor my covenant of peace be removed. Says the Lord who has compassion on you. I want to talk to you for a few minutes from this title. What kind of love is this? Lord speak to us. Give me strength, give me your thoughts, give me your words, and prepare our hearts right now for your word to receive what you have for us, that lives would be changed, souls would be saved, God, right now. In the next few moments, let your anointing and your word go forth and do its work. If you're thankful for the love of God, could you put your hands together one more time? You may be seated. We live in a world and a culture challenged with its definition of what love looks like. 
Love is a word that we easily use and misuse. We've attempted to define it, real love, in many different ways. And our frail humanity fails many times. For some, it looks like this. For others, it looks like this. Hallelujah. If you don't know what that is, thank God you don't know what that is. For some others, it looks like this. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what true love looks like. I know some of you are thinking. For some others, it just looks like that. Now you're hungry, and I got to preach through that hunger. Praise God. For some of us, it looks like that. Sometimes it simply looks like this. But for me, it may look like this. Hallelujah. But most assuredly, it looks like that. We think that we know love, and the challenge is that even when we think that we know what love really is or what we think the one that we really think loves us, will most likely in the end, most likely in their humanity, at many times fail us or let us down. Many times the love, even the best love, still comes with condition. The ancient Greeks realized that it was very hard to fit love into a one-size-fits-all category. There are more than four, but this morning we want to talk just a moment about the most famous of these four words in the Greek and their meanings as we see them played out through the Greek scripture. The word storge, the Greek word storge is love that is used to describe familial love. This word describes a type of deep and caring bond that develops naturally between parents and children, husbands and wives, siblings, as well as other people that you may consider to be family. I'm thankful that I'm just as close to my spiritual family as I am my natural family. This is the type of love that withstands trials as protective and loyal. You may also be able to guess the type of love meant by phileo love. Uh, if you know the nickname of this city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. The word phileo is expressly used in the Bible, and it refers to the warmth and the affinity shared by close friends, uh, almost as if those friends were actually a part of a family. Then there is eros. Eros love refers to romantic or sexual love. It is the root word of the English word erotic. Eros or sexual love in and itself is not impure. But eros is a gift from God to married couples so that they may express their love with one another and continue the human race. Then we come to one of the most well-known words that we have, and that is agape. Agape love is the highest level of love reference in the Bible. This form of love is everlasting. It's sacrificial. It is without condition. Whether or not the giver or the receiver receives or gives the same level of love in return. In the original Greek translation of the scriptural passage, God is love. This is the word used, agape was specifically used to identify the type of love that God embodies himself. This is the Greek form of the word love uh, that we see in our main text from 1 John chapter 3. For the first two chapters of his letter, John has taken us uh, on a theological journey of living for God. 
Now in chapter 3, it feels like that John cannot contain himself. It is like there is an outburst in John's spirit, so to speak. And he writes, and I'm sure that he says out loud as he writes, See what great love. The Father has lavished upon us. Uh, The New King James Version says, Behold what manner of love has the Father bestowed upon us. Uh, Lavished is a word that we do not use uh, very often anymore. It's an odd word. It's an old word. Uh, It's an odd word because when it's used with love, the word actually means to present uh, or to bestow on someone. So it seems a little odd when we use the word uh, with love. You say, I love a person. You don't usually say, I bestow upon you my love for them. So the word bestow means to give something to someone in an event at a time in a place. Uh, The only human analogy that we have is in marriage. Uh, You might be in love with someone and you're loving them. But at a certain point in time, you sum up all of your love and stand before your friends and your families uh, and the authority structures of heaven and earth and you bestow your love on someone. In other words, you give your love to someone in such a way that it permanently changes your life and their life forever. This Friday uh, at camp meeting, uh, I was privileged to stand in the exact same spot that 25 years ago. I watched my girlfriend, not even my girlfriend at that time, walk across the campgrounds. I can still tell you what she was wearing 25 years ago. It was like she floated across the campgrounds. And gentlemen, that was before cell phones and everything else. I had to do it the old-fashioned way. I had to go find the girl. But for only the second time in my life, I saw Michelle Lene Furman uh, walking across the campground 25 years ago uh, at camp meeting. And I knew in that moment that I was in love. Amen. Amen. <laughs> There's a sense in which God is love. And he loves all of his creation. And he loves all people. But to be a Christ follower is not to simply have God love you in a general sense. To be a true Christ follower means there is a moment when by faith you respond to the gospel and God actually pours his love into your life and it changes you forever. How many of us remember the moment where God found us? How many of us remember the moment I said, how many of us remember the moment that God found us? How many of us remember the moment that you felt loved by a God that you could not see, but you knew that it was real love? Why is that? Because John continues and it says, he says, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. There seems to be a repetition here that we should be called the children of God and that's what we are. But if you look carefully in the text and in the grammar of the text, it's not just a, a repetition. First of all, it says when God bestows or lavishes his love on us, he calls us children of God. In other words, before he called us, we did not have the name of God applied to our life. We had no status. We were, we were extricated out of the family 
family of God. I know that we've all been taught that all who are created by God are loved by God and they are loved by God in a general sense. But before God found you, you did not find yourself. I said before God found you, you did not understand the love of God that he had for you. But when he found you and he poured his love out on you, then you were able to take on his name. You had his status. You understood that he was your father. It did not matter what kind of father you had in this world. You understood that there is now a father in your life that loves you. He gives us a status. He gives us an adoption. As Jesus puts it in John 17, they that may be one, that they may be one as we are one. He's praying to the Father. I in them and you in me so that we may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. John goes on to say that we're not just called children of God. We are children of God. In other words, we're not just legally children of God. We are actually children of God. It's not just that we have some kind of status, uh, but no, we've been born again into his family. Uh, He has given us his divine nature. Uh, In other words, when we take on the spirit of Christ uh, and we take on the name of Jesus, uh, we are now baptized and born again into uh, the family likeness of God. And all of a sudden, his spirit comes into our life uh, and he forms us and he shapes us uh, by his power and his presence. uh, And we became beings of a new creation. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we're not waiting for another day. Uh, I said, we're not waiting for another day. Uh, We're not just waiting for Jesus to return. Uh, We're not just waiting for a new heaven uh, and a new earth to become new creation. Uh, The moment that we go down in the waters of baptism, uh, the moment that God fills us with the baptism of his spirit. We become new creatures like Christ Jesus. Being a Christ follower is to receive God's love in such a way. Hear me very carefully. Being a Christ follower is to receive God's love in such a way that my status has been changed and my sins have been wiped out and he accepts me as perfectly righteous in his sight and I have been renewed on the inside. Everything about me has changed. I've got a new way of thinking. I've got a new way of living. I've got a new way of speaking. I've got a new way of walking. Why? I have totally been born again. In other words, God's love has reoriented my life to the place that I am no longer a child and a slave to the sin and the carnality and the bondage of this world. But I have been set free through the power of the Holy Ghost. And ladies and gentlemen, you were born again because of his love. I think the challenge with many of us in this room is this. We have forgotten what, we, what it felt like all those years ago when God gave us a rebirth. 
but I guarantee you I haven't felt it. I remember at eight years old and I'm 52 the moment that God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in a youth camp service and I remember three days later on a Sunday morning in Huntsville, Texas when I went down in the waters of baptism and I came up a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. I still remember what it felt like then. I still remember it today as if it was this day. Why? It was an infusion of the power of God's love in my life. Not because we deserved it. I said not because we deserved it. But because of God and who he is. We needed it. But we couldn't earn it. On my best day I could not earn it. I said on my best day I could not earn it. On my most perfect day I could not earn his love. I said on my most perfect day I could not earn his love. But he extended to me anyhow. We were all desperately lost as children of wrath, Paul said. He said to the Ephesians in chapter 2, we were all, everybody say all. Look at your neighbor and say, that means you. We all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And while by nature, children, everybody say children, of wrath, just as others. Verse 4. But God. I said, but God. I said, but God. Who is rich in his mercy. Why? Because of his great love. What does this mean? It means that in my sinful nature, God's wrath was pointed toward my sin. And all of us needed rescue. But because of God, I said, but because of God and because of his great love, God literally rescued us from himself. I said, oh, you didn't hear me. I said, God literally rescued us from himself. What was he rescuing us from? His wrath against our, against our sin. And not only did he rescue us from himself, but he saved us unto I said, not only did he rescue us, but he saved us and brought us into his family. I know that's not good grammar, but it's beautiful theology. He saved us from himself. Why? because his wrath was against my sin but God in a mo- I said God in a moment of time the challenge is this without the word of God and the spirit of God we cannot fathom the love of God let me say it again without the word of God And the spirit of God, we cannot fathom the love of God. I think that's why you get these ecstatic proclamations from Paul in Ephesians. And now Paul in his letter, they are in amazement. Why? Because they see the results. They see the results. What are the results? Adoption. Everybody say adoption and salvation how amazing and staggering this should be to us as well I think truly that truly loving God comes out of being stunned by the miracle of God loving us in the first place 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's a miracle if any of us make it to heaven. Why would God send so many people to hell? God's not sending anyone to hell. Hell was not created for you and I. Hell was created for Satan and fallen angels. We're making the choice to make our way to hell, but we don't have to take that path. Why? Because God in his great love. I said because of God in his great love. Because of God in his great love. Because of God in his great love. How many can look back on your life and understand it was God that reached you. It was God that touched you. It was God. Being a servant of God, that's amazing. Being a friend of God, that's incredible. But being a child of God, that is staggering. A son or daughter of God because of the righteousness and sacrifice of Jesus. That means, what does that mean? That means when God looks at me because of the righteousness of Jesus that has been applied to my life, I now stand in right standing with God. The God who hated my sin before I asked for forgiveness is the God who loves me now and the God that I can cry Abba Father what is this love of God what is the love of God to ask that question is the same as asking who is God the Bible does not simply say that God loves but he says God is love You see, love for the God of the Bible is not one activity among others. Love defines who God is most deeply. Say, David, I thought the holiness defined God knows most deeply. God's holiness comes out of his love. I said God's holiness comes out of his love. If God only had holiness and no love, we'd all be dead. Love defines who God is most deeply. The ultimate reality of God is to see his love as an eternal fountain of endless, unquenchable love. A love so great and free that it cannot be contained by the measurements of height, depth, and breadth. The apostle Paul said, Paul told the Ephesians, he says, I'm praying. Listen to me very carefully. I'm praying. I'm praying that you can comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know. Listen who he's talking about. He's not praying to those who are outside of the kingdom. He's praying for those who are in the kingdom. What is he praying for us to know? And what is he praying for the Ephesians to know? And what is he praying for us to know? And this is what I'm praying for you to know. To know. To know the love of Christ that goes way past my knowledge and my understanding. Why? So that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Notice what he says. Hear me very carefully. If we don't know the love of God, we can't be filled with the fullness of God. What is Paul praying for? He's praying for the Ephesians 
to be given supernatural power, not to be holy, not to do signs, wonders, and miracles, not to feed the, not to feed the, the poor or, or heal the sick. No, he's praying for them to have the power to know how much Jesus loves them. Not just to have the love of Christ, but to know the love of Christ. As one author wrote, you can know honey in two distinct ways. See, there's a difference between knowing the chemical compound of the ingredients of honey and simply tasting honey. They both produce knowledge. But only tasting experiences the honey for what it's meant to be. There's a lot of people sitting on pews this morning that are hearing about God. But they've never truly experienced God. You see, it's the difference between getting a postcard with a picture of someone sitting on the beach in Hawaii versus you in the chair with your toes in the sand feeling the breeze yourself because you can know a lot about God but never truly experience God. I went to seminary with people who knew a lot about God, but they never had a true experience with God. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of things that a lot of people can talk you out of when it comes to religion and church and theology, but there's one thing that they'll never be able to talk you out of. It is an experience with the almighty God. I said it is an experience with the almighty God when you are filled with the power. You have to understand that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, his embrace of you is the ultimate point of your existence. He wants us to know that no matter how undeserving we may feel, how far away you may feel, there may be somebody here in this room. uh, You may be hurt, wounded. uh, You may be in a dry place, a desert place, a desolate place. uh, But I've come to preach to you uh, that God's love has not stopped reaching for you uh, in the deepest, darkest, uh, ugliest part uh, of your heart. Uh, In fact, the very fact that you feel unlovable by God today uh, may be the greatest qualification uh, that you have for God to love I said the fact that you feel the most unlovable way and the furthest away from God today may be the very greatest qualification for you to know that God still loves you. As one of my favorite authors recently wrote, God would have to un-God himself to stop his love for you. To think that you can stop the love of God is like you thinking you can go to Niagara Falls and stop the flow of Niagara Falls with a rock in your hand. Honey, you cannot stop God from loving you. Can you think back where where God found you? Can you think back where God rescued you? When our lives are overwhelmed with the power of his great love, it should change everything about us. Amen. Amen. How many of you have watched two people fall in love, especially young people? (laughs) What happens? Things get crazy. Right? 
They start walking different, looking different, talking different, eating different. Yeah. Why? Because they're in love. (laughs) Are you with me? God's love should change everything about our life. We should wake up every single day and stand in amazement that God loves us. I said we should look in the mirror every single morning and say, thank you, Lord, for loving me. When I was at my most unlovable, when I was at my darkest, when I was at my most desperate, there was never a moment in a time in my life, even though I felt like throwing in the towel, and I'm sure there was many times that I did throw in the towel. God, you never turned your back on me. Even when I walked away, when I walked away from this truth, when I walked away from my heritage, when I walked away from you, you never stopped loving. This kind of love changes us. Let me say that again. This kind of love changes us. This kind of love is being willing to have your life complicated by the needs and the struggles of others. I'm talking about God love. This kind of love is actively fighting the temptation to be critical and judgmental toward one another while looking for ways to encourage and praise one another. This kind of love is making a daily commitment to resist the needless moments of conflict uh, that come from pointing out and responding to offenses. This kind of love is being committed to unity and understanding that we are winning and we're not accusing. It's not about who's right and who's wrong, but we're here together. This kind of love is being willing when confronted by another person who loves you to examine your heart rather than rising to your own defense and shifting the focus to their own weaknesses. This kind of love is making a daily commitment to grow in love so that the love that you offer to another person is increasingly selfless, mature, and patient. Ladies and gentlemen, sisters and brothers, this room is filled with mature believers. But if there's one thing that I understand about being a mature believer, because I'm not there yet, but I do understand this, we must constantly reorient ourselves and our hearts around God's love. Why do we serve? We serve because God loved. Why do we give? We give. Because God first loved. Why do we share our testimony? We share our testimony because God first loved. The only way that this kind of love displays itself in our life is if our hearts have been radically changed and realigned with God's love. Because let's face it. Hear me very carefully. When you read the red print in the New Testament, it's really difficult to follow and obey if you're not doing it out of God's love. It's not easy to love and much less like difficult people. Especially if you're married to one. Praise God. People who that... With you might even have to draw, you might even have to draw boundaries in your life to keep yourself sane and saved. But this, does this mean that you can't love them? No, it doesn't. Not if you understand what the Bible says about love. Hear me very carefully. You see, to love someone, according to the Bible, is to want the best for them. So I may not be able to get along with them, but I can still want the best for them. There's people in my past that I have boundaries with. 
Are you with me? I said, there's people in my past that I've loved very dearly, but now I have boundaries in my life with them. Okay. But that doesn't mean that I have to stop loving them. That means I can want the best for them, but that doesn't mean I have to stay engaged in their personal life. In other words, love isn't just an emotion or a feeling. Loving someone means that we care what happens to them and we want it to be good. This is the kind of love that God has for us. And it's the kind of love that he wants for us to have for others. And hear me very carefully. This is why this kind of love is a fruit of the spirit. It is a result of God's spirit living on the inside of us. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot love like this with by our own human effort. We choose to love the unlovable through the power of the Holy Ghost working on the inside of us. This is why we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Ghost? I'm glad you asked. It is the presence of God The God of the universe filling your life. And when he does that, it changes everything. How do I know this is true? Because I understand what Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 5. And hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. How? Through, say it with me, through the what? The Holy Spirit who has been given to us. How is God's love manifest in our hearts? Through the power of the Spirit of God. Interestingly enough, the same John that wrote this epistle that we took our text from wrote one of the Gospels of well. And in the Gospel of John, we find a religious man named Nicodemus coming to Jesus in the middle of the night. Why? Because he did not want his friends, his religious friends to know. And we hear the conversation being shared here. And he says, Rabbi, in verse 2, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs that you're doing if God was not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're what? Born again. How can someone be born again? Nicodemus is scratching his head. I'm an old man. What, what, what are you talking about? Surely I cannot enter into the second time into my mother's womb to be born. Jesus said, verily, verily, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the spirit. In the original text in 1 John 3, he writes that we are now the children of God because of God's love for us. Now, John, many people believe that the gospel of John was actually written after the letters of John. Now, John is writing that we cannot see, much less enter the kingdom of God unless we are born again. Which one is it? Both. When I am born again of water and spirit, I'm responding to the rescuing message of the gospel. What is the gospel? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. It is the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I am what? Becoming a child of God. 
When we go down in the waters of baptism in Jesus' name, our old nature, our past identity is being washed away and we are being remade. We are being reshaped. And when we come up out of that watery grave, we are coming up in a brand new identity with Jesus Christ. And when we are filled with the Spirit of God, the power of the Holy Ghost. Our lives are set on a journey of transformation that is supernatural and empowering and we become the children of God. In Acts chapter 10, when the Holy Ghost uh, baptized the first New Testament Gentile believers, the Bible says that while Peter was still speaking these words, uh, the Holy Ghost, what? Fell. Everybody say fell. The Holy Ghost fell upon all those who heard what? They heard the word. And those of the circumcision, the Jews who believed, were astonished as many came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. While Peter was preaching, the Spirit fell on them. And they begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. It is interesting to see that the exact same Greek word for fail is used in Luke 15 in one of most Jesus' most famous parables. When the prodigal son came to himself and he goes back to the father's house, Jesus tells the story like this. But when he was still a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion on him and ran to him and did what? And fell on his neck and kissed him. Ladies and gentlemen, sisters and brothers, friends and family, I come to tell you and I come to submit to you today that the greatest and most tangible expression and understanding of the power of God is the Holy Ghost. It is God filling me with the essence and the identity of who he is. It's his power. It's his presence. It's his wisdom. It's his understanding. It's his love. It's the power of understanding that God is my father. I am his child. I told you a while ago and I end with this again. I will never, ever, ever, ever forget how I felt when I came up out of the waters of baptism. I will never, ever, ever forget how I felt when God filled me initially with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But fast forward over 30 years later, I was away from God, a far, far, long ways from God. David, yes, you, yes, me. I was a long ways from God. But I had made my way back to God. Why? Because God's love never stopped reaching for me. I said, God's love never stopped reaching for me. I said, God's love never stopped reaching for me. And I had a prayer one time. And I said, God, I said, just grant me this one thing. 
I said, I've been in a dry place. I've been in a lonely place. I feel like that, God, I've been way far, far away from you. If you'll just grant me this one prayer, I want to hear myself pray like my father prays. I want to hear myself pray like my mother prays. What are you talking about, David? I'm talking about being so filled with the power of the Holy Ghost that I could just pray in the Spirit and pray and pray and pray and pray. I made my way to a a little apostolic church in Seattle, Washington. Snow on the ground at 5.30 in the morning. Got out on the road and thought, man, I should have stayed in bed. But I was desperate. I was desperate. I was so desperate, I was almost suicidal. I said, God, I got to feel you like I felt you at eight years old. Climbed under the first pew, that little apostolic church. I laid my head on that carpet. An old converted dance hall, wood floors, cold with snow and I'll never forget it as long as I live God let me never forget it I begin to cry out to God to weep say Lord feel me feel me feel me I'm in a dry place God I don't know where to go from here I'm 3,000 miles away from home anybody that loves me feel me 30, 40 minutes later, I woke up. I wasn't asleep, but I came out of a spiritual downpour of the Holy Ghost. I realized that I hadn't spoken a word in English for almost 45 minutes. God baptized that desperate little preacher's kid all over again with the power of the Holy Ghost. And I begin to speak and I begin to pray. And in those moments, God began to do a work in my life that he had never done before. And just a few days after that, hear me very carefully. And just a few days after that, God put a call of ministry on my life. Why? Because I had to get into a place where I was desperate to have an encounter with God. I was, I was good at going to church. Hear me? I was good at going to church. Clapping my hands, raising my hands, singing the right songs at the right times. But I was far. My heart was far from God. But in that moment that I came out of that deluge, I understood that God loved me like I had never felt love before. Not that my parents didn't love me. They loved me. They still loved me very unconditionally. But in that moment, the hand of God was hot upon my life. And God baptized me all over again like he did at eight years old. Standing in the altar of a youth camp. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I believe I'm talking to somebody. You're in a dry place. You're in an empty place. It's been a minute since you felt God really touch 
your life. It's been a minute since you felt God's arms put them all around you. I'll never forget what I felt in that moment. I felt like I was the closest sister Danette to God than I had ever felt in my whole existence. And out of that became God called me. He spoke directly to me. He spoke directly to me and I'll never forget what he said. He said, you're going to take the pain of what your life used to be. The tears that you've cried over and over hours and days. I'm going to take those tears and you're going to use those tears in ministry to pour into somebody's life. And they're not going to be tears of bitterness. They're going to be life-giving waters of healing. And in that moment, God called me into the ministry. Man didn't call me. My mom and dad didn't call me. God called me. How do I know that he called me? Because I knew in that moment that he was with me. As you stand here this morning. I've tried to preach to you out of my heart the understanding of God's love for you. There's not one person in this room that is so far from God that God can't touch you. Who am I talking to today? Could you just bow your head right now and raise your hands all over this room as a sign of surrender? Who is God speaking to right now? Maybe it's been a minute since you felt that kind of love. I'm not talking about love from your family. I'm not talking about love from your spouse, love from your children. But you felt that embrace of God's power in your life. Could you just begin to walk to the front of this building right now? Would you like God to touch you right now? Could you just begin to do that? Come on. Step out. Step out away from you are and say, God, touch me today. Touch me today. Renew me today. Renew me today, God. Feel me today. If you're here today and you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, today's your day. Today's your day. I believe God can fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost today.